my colleagues yesterday. I hope they've behaved themselves and uh, I hope that uh, they've given you a bit more of an insight into the work of London City Mission. Thank you for your prayers and your partnership in the work of the City Mission. But having said that, this is not a London City Mission talk. My calling this morning and our business as a church this morning is to listen to the word of God and to hear what God would say to us in our various callings, in our various needs and situations from his word. Maybe there'll be some uh, examples I can give you from the work of London City Mission. But uh, please don't regard this as me plugging the London City Mission. This is God speaking to us through his word. This is a wonderful passage in chapter 8 of Acts. Indeed, the whole chapter is a wonderful chapter, for it tells of a remarkable revival that occurred in Samaria, that area just to the north of Jerusalem that was peopled by uh, natural enemies of the Jews, followers of a a kind of half-Jewish, half-pagan sort of religion. Certainly by no means uh, at one with the Jews. And remember that Jesus had said, uh, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. And we see that great uh, vision statement of Jesus being uh, worked out, uh, at, at least in outline, in this great chapter. But uh, I'd like to begin by focusing on the words of verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip. Right away in this uh, incident that's related to us, it is emphasised that God is directing things. You see, you could skim over the passage that I've just read and say, well, Philip went off uh, for a break in the country. He went to that sort of... uh, uninhabited area, uh, the back way from Jerusalem to Gaza, and he just happened to meet uh, a guy who was driving along there. Oh yeah, and the guy, where was the guy from? Oh, he happened to be from Ethiopia. And Philip just happened, not doing anything else, to uh, uh, chat to him, and so on. But it's not as Luke presents it to us in the book of Acts. This is not a series of coincidences. It's not even left to us to gather or guess that God has a purpose in this. It is emphasised that God put his hand on Philip. Angels are mysterious beings in the Bible. And uh, we could spend and maybe waste a lot of time uh, querying the nature of angels and asking things like, how do you tell if an angel is at work in your life? There's a lot of fascination with angels these days, not all of it healthy. But what I can assure you of is this. An angel is direct evidence that God is at work. An angel underlines that our God who holds the whole of heaven and earth in his hands, who is supernatural, who is the Lord. He has his ways of working. He has his servants. And the angels reveal that God is working in power, in purposefulness, and in glory. It is no accident what follows. 
It happens because God sends Philip there, unmistakably, by an angel. And at every step of the way, that's emphasised too. Look at verse 29. Philip uh, sees this man riding along. In case you're worried about Philip's athleticism, uh, it seems that it, it was probably a wagon rather than some racing chariot that Philip had to catch up with. But it was the spirit, definitely stated, it was the spirit who told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Again, this wasn't uh, the impulse of a good evangelist alone. I'd hope that uh, every evangelist looks to seize every opportunity. But this is God telling him to do it. And then right the way through, through all of the coincidences of what the man was reading and what he asked, uh, no coincidences at all. God's stamp, God's finger, God's power is over this. Right the way through to verse uh, 39, when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. God's fingerprints are over this whole incident. God is holding Philip and the Ethiopian. The timing, the place, the thoughts, the reading matter, the questions, the reactions, it's all in the hand of God. Now that's a wonderful encouragement to us as we live as Christians, that the whole of our world, the very thoughts of people's hearts and minds, the very words that we speak are under the control of our wonderful sovereign God. That's one of the great messages of the Bible, isn't it? Go back to the book of Joseph, in the, the story of Joseph in the book of Genesis, and you've got exactly the great theme, the same theme. But there's more here than just a reminder that our God is in control. There's actually a, a kind of formal revelation, a kind of announcement of God's sovereign purpose. You know, um, the Queen puts her uh, stamp of approval on uh, porridge oats or whatever else it is that uh, if you look on some of the things on your breakfast table, there's the royal coat of arms and it says uh, by approval or authorised by Her Majesty supplier of porridge to the royal family. It's the, uh, the stamp of approval. And I believe that what we have in this story is God's stamp of approval on what Philip was doing. God set this up. God brought every detail into place and God is saying, this is the way I like to operate. This is the way I do my work. This is God's appointment. So the first thing that uh, we learn that God wants us to do from this passage is this. God wants his church to take the good news to all the world. God, God wants us to be always going out. The church of Jesus Christ is a going concern. God's people live under the command of Jesus. Go into all the world. As you go into all the world. The Christian church is a dynamic, world-reaching organisation. That's uh, obvious from certain details in the story. The, 
early church had been scattered from Jerusalem because of the persecution that followed the death of Stephen. And Philip had gone to Samaria. But uh, Samaria wasn't just a quiet refuge until the persecution back in Jerusalem finished. God used Philip's ministry wonderfully and there was this amazingly uh, successful work of preaching and ministry among the Samaritans of all people, a Jew would have said. But then, when that is flourishing and village after village of the Samaritans is hearing the Christian gospel, God suddenly takes Philip out of that. The man who started it all. And Philip was saying, why are you sending me down to the back road from Jerusalem to Gaza? Nobody lives there. There's an enormous work being done here. There's an enormous need in Samaria. There's great success. And God perhaps says, yeah, there, there is. And you know, I can carry that on by other servants. I'm not dependent on you. But maybe God is saying, look, you're the one I used to start the work in Samaria. But there's always a danger. We Christians, we get so busy doing what's right under our noses that the vision gets pulled back in, gets restricted. We get caught within our own little box. So Philip, I'm taking you who started the work of Samaria, I'm taking you and making the point that my work must never be limited. The vision of my people must never be restricted to one place and one location. And then, of course, on that road from Jerusalem down to Gaza, the first person he meets will obviously be an important citizen of Gaza, perhaps driving back from Jerusalem, or somebody significant in Jerusalem going down to Gaza on business. Not a bit of it. It's an Ethiopian. It's somebody from a country way the other side of Egypt. Ethiopia then was probably in southern Egypt, northern Sudan, rather than what we call Ethiopia today. But you see again, God God is setting this up. It's no accident that the man Philip meets is an Ethiopian. So God wants us to take the gospel to the whole world. Whatever their religion. This Ethiopian is not a Jew, that is, he's not uh, been circumcised, he's not a proselyte, he's come to Jerusalem, though, to worship. Like many people from around the world, he had a respect for the Jewish religion. Uh, Perhaps he had uh, been studying the Jewish religion. So he perhaps had whatever his uh, Ethiopian religious background was, and then he's following uh, the Jewish religion. But he needs to hear about Jesus. God sends an evangelist to him. Whatever religion people are from, they need to know about Jesus. Why? Because the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all unrighteousness of men. All unrighteousness. And the only remedy for the wrath of God, the only thing that can save us from God's righteous anger against sinners is the blood of Jesus Christ, as we were singing just now. The whole world needs to know. On Tuesday, the Synod of the Church of England will be discussing a motion about trying to convert other religions. There are some people in the Church of England who want the Synod to say it is not appropriate to try to convert people who are followers of other religions. It causes aggravation 
It stirs up strife in these days of tensions between Muslims and Christians and Jews and Christians. But if we listen to the word of God, we can have no time for that. Yes, we must be respectful and we must be wise and so on. But we must tell the world about Jesus. If we are in any sense apostolic Christians, then we follow Paul who owed it to everyone. I am a debtor to all men to preach the gospel. That's why London is so strategic. Uh, A third of the population of London comes from other parts of the world. And it's exciting in London uh, when one of our missionaries meets an Afghan and leads him to faith in Jesus Christ. And that man goes back to Afghanistan and teaches the gospel in Kabul until he is put to death by the Taliban, as he was four or five years ago. But today there there is a group of 200 Christian Afghans who came to faith through that man. All through a chance encounter under the hand of Philip's God in a hospital in London. Or another of our missionaries some years ago, Juan Vasquez, was working among the restaurants of London. Tough job, because you often got asked to have a free meal, but uh, Juan put up with the cost of discipleship. And spoke. Many of the guys who worked in the restaurants in London, certainly in those days, were illegal immigrants. Juan talked and talked to a, a guy from Latin America, from Colombia, who became a Christian. And the next time Juan went back to see him, he'd gone. He'd been arrested and expelled from the country as an illegal immigrant. All Juan knew was his name and uh, the city he came from, the area he came from in the city in South America. Juan was in South America a few years later and uh, remembered this guy and uh, met somebody from a church in that area of the city and said, I don't suppose you ever came across a guy with this name. Um, You know, he professed faith in London and then was expelled. So I only really saw him a couple of times. Oh, Oh, yes, he's a great leader. Oh, is he here, said Juan. No, 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 he's at Bible College in America. He came back and he started an evangelistic ministry in uh, the slums of our city. And now he's gone to train so that he can do the work even more. Our God has... uh, A desire that the good news of Jesus Christ should reach out to all the world. And it's one of the the exciting things of living in this uh, globalised world that we we inhabit. That uh, we meet people, obviously in London in a big way, but just about everywhere in our country we come across people. uh, Where you work, uh, where you meet, where you travel, the whole world is in touch. And that's what God is saying in this story. Look, he says, this is something that I set up to make the point, to lay down a pattern, to put my stamp of approval on world vision, on uh, mission to the world, on taking the gospel of Jesus Christ to all the world. And as far as I'm aware, Long Crendon is in the world. Long Crendon is part of the world. And this vision doesn't say, well, you know, you've got to have a, you've got to do something for Afghanistan. If you get the opportunity, praise God and do it. 
But God especially gives you opportunities here in Long Crendon. Yesterday there was a, a gathering at uh, St. Helen's Bishopsgate Church in London. People from about a hundred different churches gathered, uh, looking forward to a, a mission that's being planned uh, for local churches next year. Maybe, maybe you know something about it. But uh, one of the things that was said there was that they, they've, the person said, I feel that God is laying it on the hearts of many churches to challenge us that we need to re-establish contact with our own local communities. We need to take the gospel to the people who live alongside us, who work alongside us, whose kids go to school with our kids. And in a way, isn't that what God is, is saying through Philip? Philip, get out and walk down the road. And um, then the Spirit says, see this person who's a, a fellow traveller with you. There's your contact. There's where mission to the world starts for you. Secondly, we see very quickly, here we see that God puts his stamp on personal encounter, personal conversation as a way of bringing people to faith. Philip is not preaching to this Ethiopian. Well, I believe he is preaching, but not in the way that we normally use the word. We tend to think of preaching as a gathering like this. Um, and that's a means that God uses. It's perhaps the first and the great means that God used and uses to spread his word in the world. On the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, God put his stamp of approval on preaching the gospel to the multitudes. And 3,000 were converted. But here in Acts chapter 8, I believe God puts his stamp of approval also on personal encounter, on personal conversation, on one-to-one meetings. There's an old saying of the Puritan Thomas Goodwin, God had only one son and he made him a preacher. And that's true. But it's also true, if, if you want to make my point, God had only one son and he made him a personal evangelist. Think of Jesus and the rich young ruler. Jesus and the woman of Samaria. Jesus and the uh, Canaanite woman. Jesus and the man with the demon-possessed boy. All the one-to-one conversations that Jesus had. And Philip is doing that here. Personal encounter, one-to-one evangelism, is the special, uh, the common factor in all those different ministries of LCM. Whether it's a police chaplain whether it's someone ministering to the homeless, whether it's a schools worker uh, who gets into conversation with the teachers and maybe with individual kids, whether it's the missionary who goes door to door or goes into the old people's homes of London, uh, the missionary to Muslims, the missionary helping to run a youth club. The wonderful opportunities we get when somebody says, have you got a minute? I'd like to have a chat. It's uh, a gifting, a calling, I believe, just like being a a public preacher is. There are special gifts that can be developed and greatly used. But it's also a basic thing that all of us can do at our own level. We may not be able to expound Isaiah 53, um, but we can always do this. Here's the most basic skill you need to be a personal evangelist, and any of you can do this. If somebody says to you, if your next door neighbour should say to you this afternoon, uh, I've been reading the Bible, never done it before, but uh, I'm reading this bit called Isaiah, 
And there's this passage, I think it's in chapter 53, and it says this. Can you explain it to me? And here's the most basic skill of a, of a personal evangelist. The answer to that is, no, I'm afraid I can't, but I know someone who can. Why don't you let me introduce you to him? And Jeff will be busy for the next six weeks. But you, know, you don't have to be able to answer every question. You just, well, that is an answer to the question. You don't have to, have to be able to give the full answer. What you need to do is to draw people into conversation with someone who does. It's a gifting, it's a calling. Philip shows the wisdom of the personal evangelist. I love the way, if I was teaching our missionaries, I would uh, take longer and spell out here how Philip asks good questions. He begins where the man is. Do you understand what you're reading? He doesn't, as it were, say, put that book away, I've got my testimony to give you. He begins where the man is. And he listens to him. The man asks him the questions. Sometimes we're much too quick to ask them our questions. That's a way of trying to force them to think the way we're thinking. If you start with their questions, you're starting with the way they're thinking. One of our old, old missionaries years ago said, the job of a city missionary is to listen to what people want to talk about until they're ready to listen to what I want to talk about. That's pretty good advice. He begins where he is, and he listens to the man's questions. By the way, let me say this. In a church like this, it's quite likely that there are some of you who are still not sure about Christianity. Maybe first time you've ever been to church. Or maybe you've been coming for a long, long time, and somehow it's never quite clicked. And you've never actually asked a question. You've never actually said, do you know, I don't really understand that. Some of those words that we sing. I sing them, I know them, but do I really understand them? It's a great thing to ask a question. I know that you use the uh, Christianity Explored course. And that's great for people who've never been to church to come in and learn and ask questions. But many Christians have found this. In my experience, many Christians and many people who've been going to church for years have found it incredibly helpful to actually be in an environment where they're actually encouraged to ask questions. So let me throw that question at you. Do you understand what you've been hearing today? Do you understand what you've been singing? And maybe you would say what that Ethiopian said. How can I? Unless somebody explains it to me. So why not join the Christianity Explored group? Or again, ask Jeff or the other leaders in the church. And then thirdly and lastly, God sets his stamp on this story, thing that I really want to emphasise. And that is, uh, I love verse 35, where um, it says that uh, then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. Again, wisely beginning where the man was, Philip didn't say, well, I, I see you've got a Bible. I've got a favorite passage in the Bible. Let me share you with this. I was preaching on it last week in Samaria. Let me give you my... Philip begins where the guy is. But where the guy is, again, this is the wonderful stamp of God on the incident is the very best place, many would say, in the whole of the Old Testament for talking about Jesus. 
Our business in the London City Mission is to take God's revealed truth, the Bible, the Jesus book, and open it to people. Many, many people in London haven't got a clue about the Bible or about Jesus. And we may have to start very simply, but our message is the Bible's message. And the Bible's message is the message of Jesus. Our business, if we're in God's way of evangelism, is to go to all the world. To use not just preaching, in the sense preaching to the masses, but also that individual dealing with men and women. Catechizing, it used to be called in the old days. Uh, Pastoral visitation was part of it. And personal encounter is an essential part of it still. And we need to be doing that with the word of God and the message of the Saviour. In whose suffering and death, that's what uh, the uh, Ethiopian was reading about, there is the key to our life and our peace. God put his stamp of approval on that gospel outreach, that gospel ministry that day. And whether we're the London City Mission or Long Long Crandon Baptist Church, We are God's mission society. We have this stamp uh, of what God wants us to do. I believe that's what makes the work of mission so exciting. We are following in God's footsteps. Jesus didn't say to us, go into all the world and do your best at evangelism and I'll see you when I come again. Jesus said, go into all the world and do what I've told you. And I will be with you every day. And that's the joy and the privilege. That's what it's all about. And may God bless you in your part in that work. And thank you for your prayers and your support for our part in London in that work.